You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramillo, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Just a quick explanation before I dive into a recap of Thursday night's game. I was supposed to record a recap after Tuesday night's game. It was a loss, somewhat demoralizing one, and I didn't think people would actually respond. So my plan was to actually have a two-part episode on Wednesday Then I suffered from power outages all afternoon and evening. We had some minor storms here in Miami, and for whatever reason, lost power, lost internet access. It was stupid, and I apologize greatly because I really did want to get to some questions, especially (laughs) as the James Harden to Brooklyn trade was breaking. I didn't even realize it was happening because I had no connectivity whatsoever. I'm trying there to read a book. All of a sudden, I see a million notifications once I did get internet that the James Harden trade had broken, and I couldn't record anything about it by that point. So in any case... I'll be recording an extra episode tomorrow, so make sure you look out for that, as well as recapping Saturday night's upcoming game against the Detroit Pistons. But for now, it's the second consecutive game where Miami was missing over half of their players. Only eight players were available. You probably know this by now. And in the meantime, Philadelphia 76ers were welcoming back a bunch of their own players. On Tuesday, the shorthanded Sixers, even with all-stars Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons available, still needed overtime as well as some generous officiating to narrowly avoid losing to Miami. Unfortunately, that was not the case on Thursday, as the Sixers got a really big boost from Tobias Harris, uh, providing 19 points, uh, sorry, 19 points back in the starting lineup, and Shake Milton with 31 points off the bench, and the Heat lost big, 125-108 to drop their overall record this season to 4-6. and six. The Heat will return home and, again, prepare to take on the Detroit Pistons on Saturday for the first of a two-game set. They'll take them on on Monday as well. Now, first and foremost, I know a lot of you are probably curious, there's no update on when Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, and everyone else will be available or if they'll play on Saturday. Eric Spolstra told media after the game there's no update and the Heat are typically very tight-lipped on medical issues like this. So I don't know if we'd get any update until right before tip-off if they were available. If they're out, we'll probably hear about it on Friday, maybe Saturday morning at some point. So right now, I would assume that it's all very much up in the air. Again, if it were, if it is my guess... I would not think that they'll be available to play. Right now, that just doesn't seem very likely. But on to the game. There was really not much to say, unfortunately. Miami was more than holding their own at first, but eventually Milton's hot shooting and some rough shooting from the heat at the free throw line and from beyond the arc was just too much to overcompensate for. There was just... It just got away from them. Uh, The reality is that they were playing very well. They were getting some good shooting from Gabe Vincent. Tyler Hero was productive. He wasn't shooting well off uh, from beyond the arc. I thought maybe he would be looking to score more from the perimeter, but he was really doing most of his work in the paint. Uh, Did a pretty solid job of that. 7-16 overall, finishing with 17 points. Duncan Robinson looked good. Uh, 9-14. Only four of his field goals attempts were actually, I'm sorry, all four of his made field goals were from three-point range. He actually finished with five shots from the mid-range. He had a nice floater, a layup on a couple of occasions. He is definitely trying to diversify his game a little bit, and he, he led all heat scores with 22 points, so a really solid outing from him. Uh, Vincent, to me, is what really stood out, I, I think for a lot of you as well. And, and looking at the game and, and following along via Twitter, 
I think there was just so much to be impressive. And now I know there's always going to be a small pocket of fans where every player is, is almost developing like a hive mentality of, of, of hyping them up and supporting them and saying, I knew it. I knew Gabe Vincent was going to come in and pop like this, but I don't think anybody saw this, quite honestly. I, I, the fact that he had been with this roster for a couple months already during the Orlando bubble, I remember he was brought up right before the end of the last season. Everybody was kind of curious about what he could do in Sioux Falls as a member of the Heat's G League team. He, he, you know, he showed some nice shooting ability. But that's the G League. Everybody's going to put up points. Everybody's going to put up shots. And maybe there were some comparisons to Wayne Ellington. Maybe that he could fit in along those same lines. But that's always kind of more talk than anything else. I didn't really see it panning out the way he did. But he showed some proficiency. He had a really nice game with eight assists as well. So he was definitely looking to pass the ball, make plays for others. Uh, finished with a couple of rebounds. But six of 17 from the field, four of 11 from three-point range. Not shy about taking that shot. Maybe some of those shots he'd probably like to have back. I thought a couple of them looked like they were good. And then he just, for whatever reason, wasn't able to knock them down. And this is partly why Miami lost uh, in the third quarter so badly that they were outscored pretty widely there. But, you know, Vincent looks like a good player. And I think that's worth hanging your hat on. If you're going to look for any positives out of the game, I think it's that, that Vincent looks like a really solid player. And with so many questions about Kendrick Nunn and Avery Bradley and who else you know fits in as far as the guard rotation is concerned, I know it's a little full right now. You've got Duncan, you've got Tyler, you've got Goran. You've got at least three guards that you're going to play regularly. Avery Bradley probably has to fit in there. So I'm not sure where those minutes would come from Vincent, but it's always good to have that option. I think... Maybe knowing now what we do, if in you know when the finals took place, when Goran got hurt, could he have gone to game Vincent? Would he have been a source of offense there that might have provided a little pop? Maybe. I think with everybody else that was on that lineup, you could have had enough defense on the floor where you were looking to get a, a, another scoring punch that you didn't get when Goran was out of the lineup. And so maybe Vincent could have provided something like that. It's always good to think down the road. You're developing players internally. You're getting some more production from them. And... and when in situations like this will happen, you know you're going to have to count on guys at the end of your bench. Now you know that you can. Now you know that they're capable of stepping up and filling those shoes and providing some punch offensively and doing okay defensively. Spo talked about that after the game, that he liked some of the things he was able to do in matchup-wise. I think he's still a little undersized, but he provides effort. Again, looking to make the play for others and spacing the floor as well as he does. Those are huge contributions, and I could see a scenario where he'll get some playing time intermittently. It won't be a lot. I'll be 100% honest with you. I can't see that breaking out unless there is a trade to free that up, which is something I'll talk about a little later. Duncan Robinson also, to me, was a big contribution on, on the night. Just I think he continues to step up his game, not just showing some more diversity as far as where he's looking to score, but I also saw on a couple occasions, maybe because at this point he's the elder statement there, with Tyler being only the other guy who's actually had a lot of playing experience and Duncan being older than most of the other players that he was sharing the floor with, aside from Andre Iguodala. But I saw Duncan kind of snapping at guys, trying to get them what to do, trying to get them in position defensively. Not snapping in a negative way, but mostly just kind of saying, look, I've got authority here. I'm a starter. I've started in the NBA Finals. That's a lot more than most of those guys, with the exception, again, of Iguodala and Hero can say. So I, I like that Duncan is taking some ownership there, some, some leadership over this group, because I think that's what they expect from him to have a bigger role, to be a little bit more vocal. He can't just be the aw shucks guy. I made it to this to this stage, and you know I'm glad that I could shoot as well as I do. 
there's another level of him to develop and reach, and I think he's showing it on the court, but not just from his level of play, but from the intangibles as well. And this is what's going to translate into him for a big contract down the road. So that's uh, unfortunately one of the, the side effects of that, but also a good thing for the Heat. Look, I, I'm all for it. I, I mean, honestly, I, as a hope, I hope that he gets paid from Miami. I hope that he continues to be a big part of this team moving forward because I like seeing his journey and everything else, but he might price himself out of Miami's plans in the future if things continue to progress the way they do. Again, it's hard to take anything away from the past two losses. I know most of you are upset, anywhere from mildly annoyed to very worried, but Miami was missing such important parts of what makes them functional. Does Joel Embiid go off on Tuesday's game if Bam plays his high-level defense? Does Jimmy take over the game to make sure it doesn't go into overtime? And as for Thursday's game, I've got a pretty strong feeling that uh, Shake Milton doesn't score like this if you know Avery Bradley is out there. It's a lot easier to do that against Vincent and Hero, but... I think this gives players like Vincent and Silva a chance to get some more time. That's what I said earlier this week. That was You're trying to find a silver lining into all this, and while you're not sure how it's going to impact the level of play down the road or who's going to be available or when and things of that sort, it, it does show what these players can do, especially for a guy like Vincent. And again, Silva, you know, he was getting a lot of criticism on Tuesday's game, and then today... He showed an incredible amount of energy, had a really nice block on Joel Embiid, showed some effort, really nice patience in pick-and-roll situations. His first pick-and-roll situation with Tyler Hero missed the timing completely, kind of clogged the lane there, didn't know what to do. Second time around, really waited for the pass to come to him. Hero put it very nicely, and he was able to flush it through for the first of three consecutive dunks, and, and so a solid game from him. Uh, even for Hero and Robinson, again, who are fixtures of the starting lineup, they had to diff handle different roles, and the results, although somewhat mixed, are mostly positive. That's all good for Miami. Yes, the team has a looking, losing record, and yes, they might have lost some more games. They might lose some more games throughout the month and the rest of the season as COVID makes things so unpredictable, but this experience, and it might not be over yet, is going to provide a huge boost for this team down the road. So overall, I'd say it was mostly a positive. You want to see what you can get out there as far as your full contingent of players. You want to be able to bring them back slowly but surely and see where the chemistry is at with this team. But I think you're also getting other contributions in other areas that will eventually help Miami's overall chances of trying to make it back to the NBA Finals. Next, has Gabe Vincent taken over Kendrick Nunn's spot in the rotation? I'll debate that here on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. It's a new year. You're probably looking for a good way to get a good start, and then you should be checking out Headspace. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations available in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. If you're overwhelmed with stress, Headspace can help you find ways to feel less anxious. And for parents like myself, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. That's such a great thing. This is where I first learned about Headspace, was watching a Sesame Street special where they kind of help kids regain their breath, focus a little bit better, and Headspace has some really nice annotations that you can do with your kids as well. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can really reduce stress. It improves sleep boosts focus, and increases your overall sense of well-being. Look, I, I used to meditate a lot more when I was younger. Unfortunately, as the years go by, I lost touch, just didn't want to explore that part of myself as much as I used to. didn't make as much time, but Headspace is so easy to use, I had to give it a shot, and the results were immediate. So you will definitely appreciate this. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 
five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Believe me, it's popular. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash NBA. That's headspace.com slash NBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now, so make sure you go over right now to headspace.com slash NBA today. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure pointless or intimidating question while the person behind the counter orders parts you're looking for on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers and their easy-to-use site. You get everything you need with just a few clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter Locked On so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, you get daily picks and quick hitting advice from experts to make the smartest possible wagers. So subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Normally, I devote this segment to more analysis of the game, but given how the roster was a fraction of what it should be, I don't really think it's worth it. Uh, This isn't the same team that will be taking on the Sixers in the playoffs, that's for sure. So I wanted to talk about some... Bigger picture things here, including some listener questions that I want to get to in this segment as well as next, so make sure you stay tuned for that. First and foremost, I'm not worried about the Sixers. Maybe I'm a little irrational here, and given the fact that they do have some top-tier talent, maybe I'm in the wrong. I know a lot of people see them as a title contender. I have to be honest with you. This team was losing to a really, really, really... Not poor, you know, because I hate discrediting the players that were available on Tuesday and Thursday. Yes, there were only eight of them, and I get that. And maybe a lot of them were undrafted or don't have a lot of experience. But they're still NBA-quality players. They they should get our respect, you know. They're not all-stars maybe, but so much of that can be from one season to the next. Look at Duncan Robinson. I mean, if Duncan had started a couple of seasons ago, no one would have thought he was going to be an impactful player. And then, well, it turns out he's actually a historically good shooter. So sometimes all it takes is the right opportunity, the right break. And, of course, they have to take ownership of their own situation and try and build, develop, and continue to put in the work. Duncan has. But back to my overall point, as far as the Sixers are concerned, they barely were able to knock off this team on Tuesday they struggle with them on Thursday as well, and that's with almost their full complement of players. They have Milton. They have Tobias Harris. They've got All-Stars and Simmons and Embiid. They're going to get Seth Curry back. I've got to say, it's a better team than it was last year. I think it's better built, better coached. I like Doc Rivers. I've talked to Sixers people who really like what he's been able to do, although I think most of the credit goes to Daryl Morey for really making some smart moves to trade away Josh Richardson, get a quality shooter in Curry, et cetera. They they are probably better this season than they were last year. 
And Danny Green's a nice fit too. Let's be honest. He's not not only is he going to torch Miami regularly, but he's also a quality veteran. Yes, he has his bad games, but I think that that's pretty much applicable to everybody. He's a good role player. He's smart. He knows what it takes to win. He's won three titles with three different teams. Come on. I mean, it, it's not just Robert Horry here. At some point, you actually have to be able to contribute. And he's been a starter too, alongside Kawhi, alongside you know, Tim Duncan alongside LeBron James. He just knows how to fit in. And so that's a, a really nice acquisition there. He's going to provide some stability. Again, much better team, I think, than they were last year. And somehow, I, I think Bam and Jimmy and Goran will go in there and, and not necessarily wipe the floor with them, but I like their chances. And so it's interesting to note how a lot of people see Philadelphia as a much more improved team and a much more legitimate title contender, even as Miami continues to deal with fluke and all the talk about them maybe overachieving in the bubble and things of that sort. We'll see how it all plays out by the end of the season. But again, I like Miami's chances overall. I think Miami's going to be okay. A secondary point here, but I think they're also, they've been through so much already in such a short season. And I think, yes. It's 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 been repeated so often now. I hate to go into it again, but the short off season, the lack of turnaround, the fact that the their schedules are so thrown off, the the internal alarm clock that they have as professionals that have been dealing with this for so often. I, I feel like it's a little thrown off. In Jimmy's case, you know, he it took him some games to really get back in there. He missed a bunch of games too, and it's still early. It's a it's a concern that at this point in time they are. 10 games in their season, and they have a losing record, but I think they'll turn it around shortly. Overall, I think this is going to be a much better team than it was last year, too. I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to make a trade at some point down the road. Not the kind of trade we all expected to happen. They're not acquiring James Harden. And to be honest with you, I'm also glad that that's over. I don't know if necessarily it was putting any pressure on Tyler Hero. I think it was putting pressure on Ben Simmons. That looked pretty obvious on Tuesday when he was 85% of the way out the door and on his way to Houston. But overall, I'd say that uh, it might have been affecting Tyler to just a little extent. And if that's the case, I think now that's all over. They recognize that he's going to be part of this team long term. I think there could be another trade down the road. That's something I'll talk about a little later on. But overall, I think he, he's shown that he can step up and be a quality player. And again, this team probably needs to make some changes, but not the kind of changes everybody was expecting. And that's okay. I think this was a team in the NBA Finals. And I know it all ties together here. Maybe they did exceed expectations, and maybe they were a fluke to some extent. But it was also a really good team that was well put together, that was rebuilt well. I've, I've mentioned it before, but I go back to my interview with Myers Leonard in April before the bubble was even a concept, like when they were first not even talking about something like this, when it seemed very unlikely that we would have any kind of realistic version of the NBA back anytime soon. The, the season had just ended weeks ago, and he was still kind of dealing with all this. And he told me that his biggest regret was that he saw that team as a legitimate title contender. Now we know what you know Myers is. He's I know the the term cheerleader can be somewhat derogatorily used. He's enthusiastic, that's for sure, and he does provide a great deal of energy off the bench. But overall, I think he's smart enough and been on some really talented teams playing alongside Dame Lillard in Portland. And I think he understands that this team has a had a, a good chemistry, a good balance, and was able to achieve a lot in a, at the start of last season. That they tapered off a little bit. I think he still saw some potential. He called it. 
I'll have to give him credit for that. He really saw that this team was a title contending team and, and it paid off pretty well. They, they weren't able to pull away from the championship, but they got to the NBA finals. They did a pretty damn good job. And I think this team has made some necessary tweaks here and there with Avery Bradley drafting Precious Achua. They've got some better playmaking role players. I think it's a good balance, and, and I think Jimmy's going to be in good shape down the road. So overall, I, I think it's still a really, really good team that's probably maybe one move at the four away. And I think that's the big issue here is somebody to fill in the role for Jay Crowder because I think he's going to be – I think he's he's missed because of the, the piece that he played in helping define Miami's identity last year, which is what's been missing this season. So that's – a conversation I've had before, but that's where I'm currently at. When I see this team playing as well as they did over the last couple of games, I I, I like their chances. You know, I, I know I made a, a tweet about this. There are no moral victories in the NBA. There never have been. But this is as close as it gets. You got some performances, some gutty performances from some players who hadn't seen any playing time. They were basically just brought off the bench there. I know a lot of people, again, somewhat derogatorily referred to them as a G League team, but maybe in effect that's all they were. I mean, look, Tyler, Duncan, Kelly Olenek are all NBA starters for sure. But Gabe Vincent, Chris Silva, everybody else who really contributed there, thats it was – you know, Max Struess was playing big minutes. And that's all. They didn't have a lot of other options. Now, Andre Iguodala, Precious was starting. I mean, this is an NBA rookie with 20 years, 20 years old. Another one that's in his second year at 20 years old. Not, not a lot of grizzled veteran leadership there on that roster. So the fact that they were able to perform as well as they did, I think really speaks highly about the team's culture and bodes well for the future. I'm going to go into some listener questions here and then again wrap that up in the next segment as well. But this first one comes in from Wyatt who writes in asking, who, in your opinion, would be a realistic trade target that could actually make a legit impact on the roster? Is Beal still a legit target, or are we at a point where we wait till the offseason and try to land Oladipo or even Kawhi? A lot to kind of take in there, Wyatt. And first and foremost, thanks to you and everybody else who's sending questions, because I really appreciate it. I was at a point where I wasn't sure what to say, because, again, this game, although it was a loss, uh, didn't really reveal much about this team other than those bigger points that I've already spoken to. So I got a bunch of questions. Thank you so much to everybody who sent those in via email, via DM, via response on Twitter, using the hashtag AskLoHeat, and that this was very much appreciated. So, Wyatt, I'll get to your second part of your questions first. Is Beal still a legitimate target? Yes and no, in that I don't think he's going to force his way out of there just yet. Now, they've gone through injury. They lost Thomas Bryant for the rest of the year. I don't know if they're going to be able to replace his talent. Maybe he's tired of losing. I just, the more I kind of see the, of this situation, I don't know that Bradley wants out of Washington so much as he wants to be the guy, kind of like Dame Lillard, that they build around. That wasn't the case with John Wall on that roster probably doesn't feel that way even now with Russell Westbrook taking up so much of the salary. They're kind of tied to Westbrook right now. I don't know that they'd want to move Bradley Beal. Knowing, though, that he's probably at his peak as far as his overall trade value is concerned, so maybe you can get a lot from him. But given what Miami has turned down in regards to their trade for James Harden, I don't know that you want to sacrifice that much to get a player like Bradley Beal. So maybe... Waiting to the offseason, as you mentioned, is probably the best choice. Now, we've heard reports from Kevin O'Connor of The Athletic and others that Victor Oladipo is still interested in joining the Miami Heat. As of this recording, that trade has not been finalized. Everybody's talking about it like it was. They even mentioned in the broadcast like it was a done deal that Victor was going to Houston. Has not been finalized by the league offices. So maybe it's a holdup due to processing his medical records. That could be the case. 
maybe they're just trying to finalize a, another team to kind of swap them to. I know that's speculation. Maybe that's not what you want to hear at this point. You want something a little bit more concrete. But that's where we currently are is for, in regards to Victor Oladipo. And I think he's still probably moved ahead of everybody else. I look, I think Beal is still your primary target if you could get him. It just seems unrealistic that you have to trade half your roster, especially during this season where death has been such a factor and will continue to be one that you trade away as much as you do. That's which is why I'm not overly concerned with Brooklyn either. I think they're going to have some issues with their death, especially if one injury or one bad week from Kyrie Irving or look, there is some legitimate scuttle that he's contemplating retirement, that he's just at a point right now where he doesn't know if he wants to play basketball, which is totally fine. I support him 100% for that decision. But I, I, if that's the case, that's partly why they made the trade for uh, for James Harden is they want to build a championship contender there, and they think they can do it with KD and Harden. And maybe they can, but it's going to take some major moves there. I don't know if they have enough around those three players as talented as they are, especially if Kyrie retires or continues to take a powder off the team. I just don't know if that's realistic for them. Uh, anyway, the first part of Wyatt's question, you know what, I'll save that for the next segment because I, I think it's worth talking about then as well. How soon do we have to start worrying about the team's record? And does the regular season even matter? I'll get into that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. With the NFL playoffs and the NBA regular season still kicking it up, there's only one place that has you covered if you want to look into online betting and one place that we trust, that's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag, use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. There's NFL games still going on. There's the NBA. Eventually, other sports will start to ramp up too. Why not make a little money? Don't just sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskHelloHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review if you haven't already. Thanks to everybody who's sending questions, again, via DM, uh, via email, and always you can use that hashtag to get to me, and I'll answer your questions about the heat, about a game, about the NBA, about anything in general. Shoot me some questions. I love hearing from all of my listeners. Again, going back to my question from the question from Wyatt in the previous segment, he asked in that first part, who in your opinion would be a realistic trade target that could actually make a legit impact in the roster? I think that phrasing there is interesting because legit impact, given the way this question is phrased and the way a lot of Heat fans tend to think after you know Pat Riley has changed the culture as much as he has, the feeling is that you need to whale, you need a superstar in order to le- make a legit impact. I don't think that's likely to happen this season, unless they surprise the hell out of me. And for, it's not the first time. I can't see them making a move for a superstar, either Beal or Oladipo or anybody like that right now. My feeling is that P.J. Tucker is likely to be moved from Houston, and I think that's the kind of player, as I've mentioned many times before, that's on Miami's radar. A complimentary guy that can bring work ethic, dedication, versatility, 3 and D type wing defender that unlocks your defense the same way Jay Crowder does. That's the identity they're trying to recreate there. I think Kelly does some good things, but he sacrifices so much defensively that if his shot isn't falling and his playmaking isn't a factor, which it can be on, on occasion, 
then you're not getting as much from him as you'd like out of that four spot. And you don't have much depth right now because Iguodala is older. Achua is kind of limited in what he can do. You need another big. I need another versatile defender that can stretch the floor, can be a threat to stretch the floor. I think Tucker's proven himself. I think he's a guy who knows how to get it done. I think he wants out of Houston. He wants a contract extension. He might not get it from Miami. But at the same time, I think he's still something that uh, he's still someone that would be interesting for the Heat front office. So I could see a deal for a guy like that. There are other names out there available. Uh, Thad Young, as somebody I've mentioned before, Zach Levine as a secondary score doesn't make a lot of sense again because you're kind of changing your lineup for another limited player that can't defend at a high level. Yes, he can score, but he's not going to get the same scoring opportunities with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler in the lineup. So to me, I, I just don't see it really making a whole hell of a lot of sense. This next question comes in from Heating Up. I'm curious what you think Nunn's role will be going forward. He's speaking about Kendrick Nunn. At this point, I assume he's fully out of the rotation. I wouldn't make that assumption just yet. I, again, I don't know what's going to happen with Gabe Vincent's minutes. And while Vincent seems right now like a more, if not all, better all-around player, just a guy who has a specific skill set that can he can contribute to, which is his ability to put the shot, you know, put a, put up a, a shot from beyond the arc. Kendrick seems to have lost his his touch for his offense, and he doesn't do much else. I, I think his confidence is shot. I think he's a guy who could use a, a change of atmosphere. He needs to get out of Miami, to be honest with you. This isn't anything personal about Kendrick in any way, shape, or form. I just think at some point you kind of – it runs its course. And I think that Spo still appreciates him because you form a bond with these players after what you went through last season with Kendrick getting COVID and then, you know, being in the bubble and that situation where you go as deep as you do and being a part of that team. Like I, I think everybody in that roster will always hold a special place in Spo's heart, even guys that weren't contributing. And so I, I think he has a sense of not necessarily loyalty because I think he's just seen too much and done too much where, you know, he's been willing to bench guys that are much more important to this team and this team's culture than Kendrick Nunn. But I think he, he wants to give Kendrick every opportunity to prove himself, and he might just be at that point right now where he, he I don't know, he hasn't seen enough. Um, so I'm kind of 50-50 there. I think Nunn could play some minutes on occasion. I just don't see him being replaced by Gabe Vincent just yet. I would be curious to see if that's what's going to happen down the road. But, again, I, if I had to rank what happens next, I'd say he's traded. Secondly, that he does continue to get playing time over Gabe Vincent. And then lastly, that Gabe Vincent does supplant him in the rotation because I, I just feel like Vincent's a little younger. You can continue to stash him on the bench and then continue to develop him internally and break in case of emergency. This next question comes in from TZA Mac, who asks, with all the trade rants from fans and the uncertainties on who to line up each night due to health protocol, do you think it's better in the long run to have great depth in the roster instead of having a star-studded starting five but a weak bench? Yes. Yes, I do think so. And I think it's for all the points you just lined up. I think that depth is going to continue to play a part, especially during this regular season with everything going on and games, you know, that are going to be missed uh, and canceled and postponed. And, and you know, I, there's so much here that right now, unless you're in a bubble situation that maybe evens the playing field considerably and then you kind of shift it a little bit more towards talent, maybe, because even still – Miami's depth was a huge factor in their success in the bubble. So I still like Miami's chances overall over, over almost any team in the league, maybe even over every team in the league. But during the regular season, 
absolutely you want to have more depth than overall talent. I think it just makes sense because you're going to have players missing time. You're going to have a player that's going to be locked up uh, in quarantine due to contact tracing. I, I don't think that's going to change. And, and it's for the better. I think you're trying to protect everybody as best you can. And if that's the case, then yes, I think you continue to follow these things along. You do everything you, you possibly can to avoid any further restriction. Again, some changes have been made. You're trying to do what you can to prevent or for and you know spread or spread of the uh, virus. And partly, you know, you're going to have to rely on that depth. So I, I think it's definitely going to be a strength for Miami moving forward. Uh, Marco asked a good question. This one was interesting. I probably should save this for a later episode, but I kind of want to put a bow on this one with this last question here. How much does the regular season matter this year? You know, that is a really tough one to ask because we're so hardwired as a fan base, as media members to just kind of say, you know, we, we get, you got to win. You got to win. Look at what's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks over the last couple of seasons. Best team in the NBA. You're building something. And that's another part of this is that Spo always says, look, it doesn't really matter about wins and losses. It's building good habits during the course of the regular season. I think for Miami last year, they were able to benefit from the stoppage of play because they kind of had a chance to reevaluate where they were as a team. They didn't have a chance to build good habits because there was that stoppage, and then and in fact, it, you know, it, it affected everybody as well. So, for Miami, they kind of just restarted. They put in Jay in the starting lineup, just kind of reassessed where they were as a team, and said, "Okay, now we can start building." And that building process just started snowballing during the playoff bubble. I think this season will probably follow somewhere along. You want to at least tread water over the first 60 games. I don't think you can afford to go too far under 500, but even if that's the case, I think a bubble is more realistic for the playoffs also. I think it's just going to happen. Even with a play-in tournament for both conferences, I think it's still going to be a, a, a bubble down the road because you're not going to get fans anytime soon. The vaccine's not going to be that widespread by July. And if that's the case, you want to be able to protect your players as best as possible. You don't want the product of your NBA playoffs being marred by an, a player missing time due to health and safety protocols. Let's say you're in the, let's say you're still having the playoffs the way that you normally would, where teams travel and things of that sort. He can't reduce the risk that, you know, what if, if what if James Harden, now that he's in in Brooklyn, what if he gets COVID again, or or you know perhaps has an inconclusive test in the middle of a playoff? And then because he's hanging out with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, all of them go into contact tracing. And next thing you know, the three players that are going to attract attract so much attention to the Brooklyn Nets in the playoff series are not going to be available. Do you think anybody's tuning in to watch, I don't know, whoever is DeAndre Jordan, whoever's left on that roster? I, no, I, I don't. You know, you want to be able to keep your players just from a marketing perspective safe. So I think the bubble is still going to be recreated. And if that's the case, you just want to be able to do enough to at least get into the play-in tournament at the very least, and I think Miami has a very good chance of that. I think they'll probably be able to probably get into the fifth or sixth seed, and we'll see what happens from there. They want to be able to, again, build those winning habits slowly but surely, and I think they'll have a good opportunity to do that. And again, also make the trade, get the right players there that want to be here, that want to build towards something, that have versatility, a, a, a well-constructed balanced roster with defenders with scores with leaders like jimmy and bam and you can go pretty far in the playoffs so i think the regular season does not matter as much as it has because there's no real home court advantage at play no fans 
know anything here. I think you're eventually going to see the bubble recreated. And I've long maintained this. I think the bubble is going to happen again this year just because it makes too much sense. And if that's the case, then why bother fighting for home court playoffs? You know, again, for Milwaukee, I think their fans now have such a high level of expectation of them being able to win, you know, 60 games or whatever the equivalent of that is over a 72 game stretch. That if all of a sudden they just were barely around 500, the panic button would be hit, especially because of Giannis and everything else. And you want to make sure that he's still playing at an MVP level and that this roster that they retooled around him is competent. There are questions there about Brooke Lopez and others that I've seen already being asked this early in the season. I don't have those same concerns with Miami. And a lot of people that I've talked to feel the same way. that Yeah, they're struggling. But overall, there's just a sense they'll figure it out because this is Miami, because they always do, because they always turn it up a notch. And I think this is a different roster that's constructed differently than it has been in the years past. You're not relying on Dion Waiters to step up. You've got Jimmy Butler, who's pretty damn good. You've got Bannon Adebayo, who's also pretty damn good. And you've got a nice core of players. I mean, it, the biggest question I had, one of the biggest questions I had about the season was Goran Dragic. He's answered those and then some. So I don't really have many concerns about what he's going to be able to do in the playoffs. So there's a lot more questions to get to, thank goodness, and I'll answer them on another episode. But for now, if you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get podcasts. If you want to get your team every day, just start by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat as soon as you get in your car. I'm David Ramel signing off and thanking you as always for your support.